This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. I'm ready to get on Clutch Fans. Now, here's your host. The man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. The Houston Rockets get a big win, 110 to 105, over the previously undefeated Oklahoma City Thunder, a team that was playing uh, some very good ball, beating some very good teams. Uh, and the Rockets came in in a major funk, 0 and 3, and looking terrible. This this looked like a game going in. Uh, that they were going to come out 0-4, but they get a big win. I'm here with M.K. Bauer of the Sports Exchange, good friend. M.K., thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it, Dave. Thank you. It's uh, hard to believe we got a new season going on. It didn't seem like that long ago we were talking about the Warriors series, and here we are again. It, it does, and then it doesn't. It's interesting we talking about the Warriors right off the, off the bat and, and how well they played last Friday night against the Rockets oh, and how well they've been playing thus far through four games. And for all the discussion about fluke and, and being lucky and all the, all the cards kind of falling away last season and the postseason, it, it's interesting to me because I think they're clearly still the best team in the league. And it's going to take a Herculean effort from another team's part or some bad luck on their part to kind of give up that title. The, the way they've opened the season it, is indicative of a team that feels like they still have something to prove. And a lot of that, I think, is based off the off-season chatter. But we won't delve too much into them. We have the Rockets to talk about here. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we're going to talk a lot about what's wrong with this team, what we've seen that's been, uh, you know, what has gone poorly. But, but hey, we're, we're on a positive note here. They get this big win against the Thunder. Uh, but I think a lot of things had to go right for the for the Rockets in this game. I mean, their defense stepped up at times. I mean, they sure they gave up 65 points in the first half. But, but they forced a lot of turnovers, 25 uh, turnovers that they forced. Um, they had to get a little bit of good luck as well, though. Uh, you know, Russell Westbrook picks up his fourth foul early in the third. He sits out, and that's when the Rockets really, they, they were down by 15 at one point, um, come, came charging back, took the lead uh, with Westbrook out, um, and then they, they stepped up in the fourth quarter and held on to it. But what did you see this game that maybe is, you know, gives Rocket fans some hope? I think for all the discussion that we've had about how good their depth is, a lot of that discussion has been centered on how much they can overwhelm teams offensively. Well, tonight, the depth played a role defensively. I think having that second unit in there, Corey Brewer and Patrick Beverly, those guys really energized that, that, that third quarter and that, that, that run of, of turnovers forced. Ten in the third quarter, Oklahoma City just falling apart offensively with Russell Westbrook on the bench, and that's where I think it's going to show up at times. Like, it's easy to kind of get lost about what this team can be, what their potential may be offensively, because they have James Harden and Dwight Howard and, and Ty Lawson and all these guys who can shoot three-pointers. But really, where they're gonna, where the bread's going to be buttered, and Harden made this point tonight, is how much they can turn defense into offense. And I think they do that especially well when the second unit really gets in team shorts and makes things difficult. And we saw a lot of that tonight in the third quarter. Out of all the things that have kind of gone wrong, they haven't shown a great deal of defensive energy through the course of any of the first three games or even the first half tonight. The third quarter, they locked in, got into Oklahoma City defensively, and made the game a different game by just getting into transition on offense, by forcing the turnovers, by shackling Oklahoma City defensively, just harassing them in the half court, and that's where the game was won. Coming into this game, I mean, it's hard to explain how 
or describe really how bad James Harden has been in those first three games. Uh, you know, the defense, it's, it's always hit or miss with Harden, but the offense has always been so good that you were able to overlook that stuff. He came in th- this game three for 32 from three-point range in the first three games, uh, was shooting in the 20 percentile from the field. Same thing with Ty Lawson. These guys just weren't clicking, really weren't. You know, Lawson was just more being, uh, you know, Deferential. Exactly. Just kind of sitting back and, and, and watching and, lear- and maybe learning. Um, tonight, both these guys stepped up. Harden, especially, uh, in the second half, um, comes up with, uh, hits three threes in the second half after uh, going one for four in the first. 37 points. Um, by far his season high. Uh, 12 of 26 from the field. And Lawson, as well, comes in with a 6 of 10 uh, from the field. 14 points, 11 assists. Possibly the first game you know we've seen this year, or not possibly, definitely, where he took a little bit of a leadership role. And, and still not clicking together. I think that's interesting. Yeah. As much as we want to see those guys have some sort of unison on the court, we didn't see that tonight. We just saw two really good offensive players play their game. And it was interesting hearing Tal Lawson speak about this post game about being deferential, not wanting to step on guys' toes, and just kind of watching, yeah. and then realizing that the more he watched, the more damage he was doing to this offense. They need him to play like he always plays. And tonight he got into the paint. He had four steals. He was a pest defensively, transitioning from defense to offense, and just really making things happen like he's always done through the course of his career, utilizing that speed and just pushing the issue on offense. And that's why he had to gain 14 points and 11 assists plus the four steals. They need him to be that player all the time. And at some point, and Kevin McHale made a point of saying this in the postgame, he's not making an excuse, but when you have all these new parts, or at least kind of some new parts that are going to be important to the whole scheme of things, and they haven't played together in the preseason, it's going to take some time for those guys to mesh. And we haven't really seen that in the course of a game yet of, of Harden and Lawson not just taking turns, but actually playing together in the backcourt. We didn't really see it tonight, but I think at some point we will see it, and the offense will be better. And it's interesting. Obviously, the Harden thing is what, what fans out. <clears throat> and I think I blanched a little bit when you brought this up Friday night about it not all just being about Harden. And I still kind of want to make, make, make the case that this isn't a binary argument. It's not either or. But, yeah, the, the Rockets' offense does go as well as James Harden goes. Yeah. And he can't shoot three for 32, and you expect this team to have any sort of offensive rhythm or flow or effectiveness. He has to be a better offensive player than that. He's had slumps before. That's not a surprise. We've talked to him a lot about this. He doesn't seem to flinch an eyebrow at all about shooting poorly because he knows it'll come. It came a little bit tonight. It's not a coincidence it came against the Thunder because he seems to play very well against them more often than not. But they needed him to be who he was tonight and who he was most of the last season for the offense to kind of get into a rhythm. He was that player tonight. It's not a surprise he's scored 110 points because of it. You know, we've he- heard some people say, hey, this proves that James Harden was not the MVP last year. I, you know, I actually think you could take the opposite argument. I think you look at this team and how bad they look when Harden went south. It just showed how much of a load he really did carry for this team offensively last year. Um, but it's it's hard to really talk about you know this this game and the importance of this win. It was it was a huge win against a, uh, an OKC team that's certainly feels like they're on a mission this year. They, this is a big season for that team. I mean, uh, possibly Durant's last with the team. They they have to make a great impression this year. Uh, it's hard to talk about how big of a win it is without talking about how disappointing they were in the first three games. They come out and I. And I I have to say that the preseason really showed us some danger signs. I thought there were a lot of warning signs. Dwight Howard sitting out seven of the eight games and people really dismissing it as, oh, it's the preseason and and this and that. Really didn't get work with the team. Uh, Lawson set out a few games, really just for rest purposes. Harden after uh, that that knee injury there. Um, just They just did not click at all in the preseason, even in the stretches where you thought they were just showcasing the, the starting lineup. 
Um, but I, I have to admit, I was stunned. I thought Harden, Brewer, Ariza, uh, those guys were going to come out and just be ready to go, and they come and lose by 20 points at home to Denver, a game that I think just about every Houston fan overlooked as a guaranteed W. Um, and I think it just it just opened a lot of people's eyes and said, is this team overhyped? Have we placed too much uh, emphasis on them uh, you know, being the second best team in the West last year and making it to the Western Conference Finals? They look like a bunch of spare parts thrown together at the last minute. And I, I can't underscore your point enough. Even veteran teams need some, some, some time together to gel in the preseason, whether that's in preseason games or in practice, and that's the point that Mikhail's been hammering home. They haven't even been practicing together. Their bigs haven't had time on the court together to really manipulate how the younger players are going to you know, perform and function w- with the veterans. And, and I think we saw signs of that. The Denver game, the, the interior defense was awful. The interior offense was awful. And all those things that you expect to see out of a veteran team weren't there because they hadn't played together. Golden State is what it is. It's a bad matchup for the Rockets. I wasn't surprised by that. And obviously, the second half of the Miami game was an unmitigated disaster to blow a 21-point lead the way they did. I think, to an extent, you're still dealing with a team that had shaking confidence. And I asked James that tonight after the game. Do you feel like you know there was a moment in this game where you were worried a little bit when you got down by 15 based on everything that happened in the course of the first three games? And he kind of talked around it a little bit, but I think that was there, obviously. like They needed something positive to happen to kind of shift the momentum away from what had been happening thus far. And I think as they continue to build forward, have more playing time for Dwight and Ty and James on the court simultaneously, they'll get a little bit better. Now, they still haven't solved all their issues without Terrence Jones playing right now because of the last player right eyelid. Without Donatus Mondiunas, so who I think, again, we've all kind of undervalued in terms of his critical yes, um, yes. contributions to this team. They still have to add some parts to this puzzle to make it a full complement as a yeah. team. And until they do that, we really won't know what we have because it's still going to be a struggle at times for all the parts to kind of mess. Look, what makes Golden State Golden State is that they, they have the same team intact. You know, they they got accustomed to playing with Andrew Bogut last year. He missed 15 games last season, so even not being with him right now is not that big of a deal. What makes the Clippers the Clippers is that Matt Barnes is probably the least important member of their starting five. They replace him and add three other guys on the bench who are all veteran guys. These teams have cohesion. And the Rockets thought they were going to have that by only adding Ty Lawson, but not having Ty Lawson in the preseason, not having Dwight Howard in the preseason, it's added to the whole issue of this team still isn't all on the same page yet. When they get on the same page, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, yeah I think you uh, did a good job of breaking down sort of those games. Uh, it, I look at it like, hey, they've had two games with Dwight. One of them was against Golden State, as you said. There's a huge difference, in my opinion, between Golden State and Houston. I think it was evident last year. Golden State's won 10 of the last 11 games against the Rockets. Some of those have been ridiculous yeah. blowouts. Um, there's a huge gap between these two teams. I was worried about it even coming in because I wanted to see, hey, how does Ty Lawson move the needle offensively or defensively against a team like Golden State? And he didn't. Yeah, okay. exactly. And they've got to, in my, in my opinion, I think they're going to have to make some sort of roster change between now and February to really compete with this team. And it's probably going to end up needing to be something at the power forward position. Um, but that's... The one game that you can just say they probably, you know, even clicking would have lo- would have lost that game. They had Dwight Howard. It's those other two games when they didn't have Dwight Howard, and they don't have Demo, like you pointed out. Um, they really don't have. Uh, they have some athletic bigs, and, and Capella and Harrell are very athletic, very promising. Um, but way too young. It's exactly way it, too inexperienced. And, and, and it's difficult to put anything on their shoulders at this point. We were talking about this during the game. As much as we've kind of fallen in love in spells with Montrezl Harrell, yeah. if Dwight's here and Terrence Jones is here 
and Clinton Capella's here, and then Oswald Eunice is here. Harold's not playing. Not playing. So what you've gotten thus far from him has really been gravy and it's been unexpected, but he's not going to be playing in a normal rotation, so you can't really have expectations of here of him. And the same can be said to an extent of Clint Capella, who will be playing nothing but reserve minutes at the five yeah. if Dwight Howard was available to play all these games, and really maybe not that much if Demo was here because Demo's interchangeable at the four and the five. So while we've had these games where we looked at those two guys, it's been like, oh, look at their energy. Look, you know, look how much they're running around and, and providing things. They're not very defensively. They really don't make that much, um, that much, that many positive things happen offensively, other than putbacks or dunks off of some backdoor cuts. They're not guys you can rely upon to run an offense through. So I think again, it gets back to where you're deficient at on your roster because of injuries. And as much as we like those two guys and, and project things well for them in the future, they can't be an integral part of your championship mix right now because they're just not ready for that. Yeah, I, I agree 100. percent And I and I want to add that I am super high on both these guys. I love Harold, and you know, just that one moment I was telling you about. We, we talked about it when it happened, but. When he got in Draymond Green's face, I'm like, this is something you just don't see from any other Rocket player. He's like Patrick Beverly. He's, at a, big, a, power he's, a, he's a big Patrick Beverly. And they had a second Patrick Beverly on the team, but one in the front court now to kind of add that little spice and that, yeah. that tenacity that they really don't have from somebody else on that roster. And Draymond Green's just been taking their lunch money. He's just been that bully. And this was a guy who's sort of standing up to him. So I, I like that. But it's it's really about the rotations. Um Knowing where to be and, and, and that defense, um, those guys are, are still going to be lost at times. There's a lot to learn in the NBA game, and I think Mikhail touched on it tonight. When Dwight Howard's out there, not only is he providing that presence, but he's out there talking to guys, and just his uh, the things that he tells these guys, the young players especially, where to be uh, is makes a huge impact. So I really want to judge those the, the, the Rockets based on those two games where Dwight was there, and then you have to just say, look, Harden wasn't just slumping. He was completely in a funk, uh, pretty much unlike we've ever seen. I mean, granted, he had the 13-turnover game to end it last year, which I was a little concerned that there was maybe a Nick Anderson effect, you know, bringing over into this year. But I, I think this is just a shooting slump that hopefully what we saw here against OKC, this is a sign that he's snapping out of that. By and large, his ball handling has been fine. I think his decision-making has been okay, too. It's the shooting has been woeful, and everybody goes through that. And that's the one thing that I kind of sit back and marvel at Kevin McHale because he never makes a big deal out of guys who shoot well or score well, shooting poorly in stretches because it's 82-game season. These things happen. And he always kind of has the same response when people get all panicky about James Harden shooting poorly. These things will pass. And I think James is going to have stretches of games where he shoots dynamically well, where he has his high-efficiency games that he's been prone to have. They haven't come yet. And I think you made a great point about their ups and downs through the course of an 82-game season. They just start the season on the down. They'll get into a rhythm, and they'll get some ups coming along, and everybody's going to forget where they've been thus far. Look, there's an opportunity to win a game against Orlando on Wednesday and against Sacramento on Friday and get back to 500 heading into the game against the Clippers on Saturday. That's what makes tonight a big win. At least you set the table to at least be 500 again by the end of this week going into a very important game against a team that's also a Western Conference contender. They need that victory tonight. Yeah, and I think I'm probably most excited right now about seeing this from Lawson tonight. Um, I think you know, as you pointed out, he's been sort of tentative. You know, you look at a guy like Marcus Thornton who just came in and just fired away. He's he's currently the team's second leading scorer, which is which blows my mind. Um, but uh, I think, you know, now we're starting to see a little bit of an impact on Ty Lawson. So looking forward to this next game against Orlando here on Wednesday. You mentioned Demo, his absence. I don't think there's possibly a bigger one. You know, save maybe Dwight Howard, but still the, a, a bigger absence because. 
Terrence Jones really struggled. I mean, we haven't seen him the last two games, but those first two games, I thought he, you know, same old, same old against Golden State, but even again in the Denver game, I thought he was pretty poor. Um, Demo gives you the power forward, gives you scoring uh, in the post when you are struggling to score, you can throw it down to him. Uh, he could play center. You know, he, at least as far as r- running that defensive scheme, he did it for half the season last year with Dwight out. I think his uh, absence, and we have no idea when he's coming back. I mean, it's concerning in the sense of, you know, he seems like he's making progress based on some of the stuff he posts on social media, but we have no idea when he's going to be back. Uh, I think his absence has definitely been felt right now. The Rockets' best post-offensive player is Donatus Williams. Not only as a scorer, but as a passer and as a facilitator. And you miss him severely when he's not in the lineup because there's nothing even close to what they have. The ability to kind of fluctuate things offensively. Like Dwight's finding the pick and roll. And he's finding putbacks and things of that nature. But you can't set up a play for Dwight Howard in the post and expect him to score the basketball consistently. Demo can give you that, and yeah. he passes very well on the block. So until they get him back, until he's back into the mix, they're going to be hamstrung in terms of the bounce of what they do offensively. We know they love shooting three-pointers. That's the identity of this team. But the second identity is getting points in the paint. And you got to have a guy who's able to do that beyond just driving the basketball, who can get you some easy baskets when you post them up who can find guys who are cutting to the basket with his passing, and, and Modi Yunus provides that. And right now they just don't have that, and they're trying to find ways to play around that. And I, I'm with you. Like I'm, I'm amazed that there hasn't been any sort of definitive timetable given you know, for his return, and back injuries are so worrisome. You want to see him get back to the team and be healthy and be functional and be vibrant, and right now we have no idea when that's going to be. You know, their schedule, I mean, I think that they needed this win bad. 0-4 would have, uh, things would have looked a little bleak. Orlando is a team they've had tr- trouble with in the past. Um, they just gave OKC uh, a double OT run that was uh, pretty crazy. They're coming in here Wednesday. They, the Rockets better, you know, show up to play, not overlook them. And then you've got at Sacramento and at the Clippers. That's a back-to-back. Dwight's probably only going to play one of those games. Uh, we'll see which one. Um, well, I was in the Clippers game. Yeah, assume, yeah, yeah. I, I would think you're probably right, but that's going to leave Demarcus Cousins, uh, you know, probably against Boogie. Capella, <laughs> yeah. your favorite guy. But yeah, this was a big win because you didn't want to go into that next game, you know, still winless. So I appreciate you doing this, man. Uh, hopefully, we'll do this more often during the season. But it's good for the Rockets to finally get that win, and we'll see what happens from here. It's good for everybody to exhale. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there's a lot of fans upset right now, so I think this was a sort of gives you a little bit of a feeling that this Rockets team. It's still there. There's, there's still a little bit of a heart beating. Thanks so much, MK. I appreciate you doing this, man. Thank you, Dave.